0: This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that, Rehearsal 2. Download it now at RehearsalTheApp.com download. That's RehearsalTheApp.com download.
1: Welcome to episode 130 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer.
0: I'm Trevor Elgott.
1: You hesitated there, like, is that my name? I was going to do it, I was
0: going to do it Trev90X3, but I decided against it. <laughs> oh, yeah, why not? Now you've no, done, it. Yeah. You done it.
1: You should have done it. You should have done it. And uh, on this podcast, we interview actors, writers, directors, producers, agents, managers, casting directors, and then we package it up in this little podcast and put it up on the internet for
0: you ears listening to this. Correct. <laughs> Is it correct? By some stretch of the imagination. You know, and we're we're two dudes that do this. It doesn't mean that we teach an acting class and charge $500 a month for it or that we have some sort of special technique or anything. We're just two guys that thought, you know what, it's time to kind of open up the conversation and... Hunt some of these people down. Find out what's worked for them. Find out what hasn't. Get as many different perspectives on... on the journey is possible and just kind of put it together uh into one show many episodes and stick it out there on the worldwide interwebs that you. was a much
1: better intro than mine absolutely thank you i especially like the part about hunting down our guests hunting because them. i got uh stalking them i got a hunger cases. games thing going yeah. on in my mind where we were like stalking them through the jungle <laughs> so our newest victim is james dumont uh yeah. and uh <laughs> part two of his interview is coming at you later on so stick around
0: Hey everybody! Episode one hundred and thirty. I feel like that's another milestone number. Not one twenty nine, not one thirty one, but one thirty. Yes, only one thirty. Yeah,
1: we're gonna every every five. It's gonna feel like that from yeah. That every one. five or ten. Every yeah. Sure. Every ten, and then and every fifty a, for when sure. There's a zero, and 50 when There's a zero on the end of that number. Yeah, it that does, is.
0: In fact, I remember a hundred episodes ago was I think Mark Gant or Alan Barton, and I remember sitting around a table with you and being like, "Episode thirty, man! Wow, we passed the two dozen mark like six episodes ago, bro." Someone was
1: asking me the other day about like being a new listener, checking out the content, and 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 they were looking for they were looking for something to. Listen to on a trip or something i can't remember exactly but i was like well you know you could check out the podcast and they were like how many episodes is that i was like well we we're about to record episode 130 so it's about 130 hours Hmm. of content that's the number that also trips me out when you put like the time on the end of the the number of and most of our
0: episodes are over an hour (laughs) so it's yeah yeah
1: so it's 150 plus hours of content holy shit holy crap man Uh, that's like (laughs) A lot of
0: days. It's a lot of days. <laughs> uh, before we jump into the meat of the episode, we do want to just give a quick shout out to our patron of the week, Una Love, who has been. Uh, I feel like she needs a theme song. A when support- we say I her know name. it's such a beautiful name, and she has such a beautiful accent um and she's a beautiful girl and she never calls anymore yeah she never, well, calls, you know, she never writes she's she's super active on the facebook group. she is she is she's a creative coach for uh individuals and businesses i believe and she does some some pretty cool work and she's been uh um very supportive of the podcast i think almost since the beginning i remember getting voicemails from her like two three years ago mm-hmm. um so yeah check her out we got a link to her um stuff on our website in the show notes so take a peek and give some uh warm fuzzies to una love <laughs> cool. so what's up buddy what's going on in your um, world why thank you for asking <clears throat> um let's see two big things that i wanted to kind of quickly chat about number one is my obsession du jour which is p90x3 mm. so this came out uh you know i think most of our listeners know by now that i'm a big um fitness nut and no um i know it's it's out of character but Uh, I, I fell in love with, uh, these home workout programs, which I would not have gone near with a 20 foot pole even just a few years ago. Uh, but I was totally converted by P90X and P90X3 came out in December and the sports science has come a long, long way. Like I thought P90X was, you know, kind of like the bees knees, you know, Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty cool. And, uh, and I'm doing PNX three. I'm like, Oh my God, like this is, I thought functional fitness was, you know, at one place and it's way ahead of where, of where it was, you know? So, well, uh, it's
1: been how many years too, since almost eight, eight years, I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's a long time in, yeah. in the world of science, yeah. science, science. So, so going back to our interview with Tony, you know, not knowing what he had <coughs> been working on and now being able to see what he'd been working on. And you know, I've done, it's Saturday right now as we record this and I'm about to go do an MMX routine after this. But yesterday I did cardio with weights the day before that. I did uh, just a very intense push pull routine. The day before that was yoga. Before that, it was agility, speed work. Before that, it was synergistic stuff. I mean, when was the last time you got that much variety of, of fitness and functional movement into three and a half hours for the week? Three and a half hours. And yeah, because you were you were stuff. telling
1: me that each each exercise is only th- about thirty, 30 minutes. minutes each,
0: and you know that's I, nuts. I, I there are some workouts where I'm like, okay, that wasn't too bad. That was a half hour. I felt like a half hour. We're done. But like there are some where you're like, dear God, is this over yet? <laughs> 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 it's rough. Like yesterday's workout. Oh, a was rough, four man. minutes in. <laughs> like yesterday, it's funny. I'll just tell this quick little story. Yesterday, like you know, I put the DVD in, and I'm like, okay half hour like this hasn't been too bad so far but yesterday's workout was one that i i both hoped and feared that uh would be in p90x3 because basically at the very beginning there's this like really ripped dude in the back and they have like different like workout people in the it's really ripped dude in the back and he's he's gonna pick a weight and tony's like all right man everybody pick a weight and this guy picks like 12 pounds or 10 pounds and tony's like 10 pounds man you sure and the guy's like yeah yeah i think i got it tony's like all right i'm like what are we about to do yeah you you good and then tony was like most of you should pick like five two and a half like go easy like and this one girl has a basketball and and they were like he's like that's a little ambitious for her and i was like what's gonna happen (laughs) you're like so afraid yeah i picked five pounds and the next like half hour straight you're like jumping around and throwing this weight around and doing all these crazy movements and it was awesome but man did it burn you know it was great (laughs) So anyway, that's that's the first thing. I'm loving that. And the second thing is a little bit of like I feel like we should have a segment called like What Would You Do? Um, because I had this feature that was a that was a Nickelodeon this, this show. <laughs> what was it?
1: Yeah, well, well, yeah. What would you do?
0: W oh. W Y
1: D W W Y yeah. D. All right. What. And there was, like, this theme song. It's like, what do
0: you do? Oh, my God. It was an old Nickelodeon show. If Caesar finds that song and can drop it into that segment right there, that would be amazing.
1: I'm serious. It was hosted by, like, Mark Summers or something, the guy that did Double there Oh, really? And it was, like, Slime and... Yeah. It was a Nickelodeon show. Anyway. Oh. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> our new, our new segment based on an old Nickelodeon show. Yes, yeah. go. So
0: I, I had this feature film audition this week and I got the script ahead of time and I, you know, read the scene and the script was, 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 um, not quite, it didn't really resonate with me. Um, but it wasn't bad. Um, <clears throat> so I read it and then I, but I was just, you know, going over it, and I was like, I don't think this is the right role for me. I really don't think this, this is a good fit. I think there's other actors that could be better for this than me. Which was number one feedback for me. Again, I've talked about this, but, you know, I want to make sure that my materials are up to date, that my agent is submitting me for stuff that we both feel is appropriate. Mm
1: -hmm. It wasn't, like, way
0: out of my wheelhouse or anything, but it was, you know, it wasn't quite right. Anyway, uh, I went to the audition. It was at 2.40. I got there at, like, 2.30, and there were, like, 35 guys in the waiting room and, like, maybe 15 other actors for other roles. And so I go to the sign-in sheet, and I see it's, like, you know, two pages long and all none of those names have been crossed off yet oh my or there's God. no check mark and I, I was like oh shit all right so i look at the room and i go up to a couple of guys and say how long have you guys been waiting and they're like oh like 35 40 minutes and i was like all right because my plan once i had gone over this script and stuff and run through the scene a few times i was like you know what i don't think this is right for me but i'm gonna see if maybe there's some other roles i can I can do, or maybe I can at least go and meet the producers and the director and, yeah. and build the relationships and, you know, at least I can get in the room. And if I, if I end up reading for it, it's good practice, mm-hmm. even if it's not right. Yeah. So that was my, my plan. But I got there and I was like, all right, do I want to wait around for like 40, 45 minutes just to kind of say hi and read for a role that's kind of wrong for me for hundred bucks a day? And uh, I was thinking, you know, I could be at home spending this time, you know, writing something that I feel would be a better fit for me. You know, like there's a, a lot of things I could be doing with this time rather than mm. sitting here. And, mm-hmm. and so I waited for about 10 minutes and then I made the choice. I was like, I'm out. So I crossed my name off the list and I cleared with my agent. I told them that I just couldn't stay, that they were running really behind. And uh, and I bounced and I didn't feel bad about it. And, and uh, that was that. But I had a little bit of guilt about it because... You know, you never want to walk away from an opportunity like yeah. that. So I, I'm curious to hear if this has happened to other listeners or even you, mm-hmm. and um, what your thoughts are on it. I, I I've had to.
1: It's a great story, and I re, I'm I'm curious too. I want to hear listener stories about something similar. They want to email us or whatever. I think there's a <clears throat> first of all. I think there's a, a, an immense amount of power in making that choice because it really is an example of you being in the driver's seat of your career and knowing, you know, like even from the point of knowing that the the role wasn't exactly a right, a good fit. If it was an audition for some major, major casting directors, you were getting in front of some, some big producers, directors, um, uh, uh, for, uh, film and television or, or even theater, you know it is that thing of like, well, I'm just going to go in and meet them and show them that I'm a good actor and knowing that I'm not right for this role. You know, TJ uh talked about it during their interview. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, he, he went in for that role where it was like really quirky and it wasn't really his thing, but like he just wanted to show them that he was a good actor. And like, what was it like later that day or something, he got called in for a bigger, a different and bigger role on the same yeah, television yeah. show. So, that's what I mean by that is like you, you do one does, I do need to look at what it is that you're actually, you know, going in for. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I've done, I've made that choice before, especially when they were running, you know, really behind. Yeah. Um. And sometimes it was, you know, frustrating and uh, I didn't want to leave. And sometimes it was a similar thing to what, what happened with you. I remember one time they were running behind and it was the day that, uh, <clears throat> that we were, um, rehearsing the only day that we were rehearsing all three war cycle plays back to back to mm. back before we did them back mm. to back to back. Yeah. Um, it was like the Tuesday before the, the Saturday or Sunday that we actually did all three uh, yeah. in a row. It was that day and that morning I drove all the way out to, um, I think it was, I think it was a La Mirada, the La Mirada playhouse. And they were, and I go out there a lot. Uh, Julia Flores cast there a lot. And so she calls me in anyway. Uh, and I had, I had to leave and I remember having a conversation with my manager and maybe this will support you and like what you're you know thinking about it. And she said, look, they have the job. You want the job or you don't. Do you know what I mean? Like she didn't she didn't say that last part, but I added that last part. I added the or you don't. She kept saying, like, they have the job, you want the job. They have the job, you want the job. I added or you don't. And if you don't, then you you have the power to make those kinds of decisions of yeah. like, I'm not gonna stick around. And you know, maybe there's another way of of establishing a relationship with those people. If you want to have a relationship mm-hmm. with those people, if that was your reason for going, but if it was like I said for some major network and you were going to meet a casting director you've never met before, you might be more inclined to stick around, exactly. knowing you weren't right for the role, just to be able to show them that you're a good actor. You can do that, and you yeah, know what I'm saying
0: that was part of my thought process too. I was like, if this were for like a, a major network and like a primetime show or something, a they wouldn't be running forty five minutes to an hour behind. Um, cuz the, the 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 list of names it did not look when I mean, these guys said a half hour i didn't ask when they like what where they were on the list though i estimated they were like 45 minutes to an hour behind based on the number of people there cuz there were at least 50 people there and they're <laughs> not all going to go in and do one minute reads so based on that and the fact that it's a non union film you know paying sag ultra low budget shooting in like utah or something i mean who knows and then the script wasn't like the greatest thing i'd ever read Lots of typos, lots of little things. You know, I, I try not to judge on that kind of thing, but it does make an impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was part of my conversation. But, you know, if it were a network thing, like, and that were the situation, that that were that many actors, and they were running that far behind, which there never would be either of those, um, then I would have waited it out, I think. Yeah.
1: There's some rules with, with union auditions in terms of how long you're there, and if you're there for a certain amount of time, you actually get paid. If uh, Dennis or Jen or any one of our other listeners who... Who knows the, um, yeah, I should, I should know this on that. David,
0: David Lawrence talks about this a lot in his classes and I, oh yeah, I, I forget the exact numbers, but it's something to the tune of like 20 or 30 bucks. If you're there for like 40 minutes hmm. something wow. along those lines,
1: which, you know, it may, like you said, there's a lot of things you could be doing with that time. One of those things is making money. If you make like 50 bucks an hour, you know, I'm putting this in air quotes, like 50 bucks an hour to sit there. And then create a relationship like that's pretty awesome yeah if if every audition i went to i I had to sit there i knew i was going to sit there for an hour but i knew i was going to establish a relationship and that the people in the room or the people running the list were going to hand me a 50 dollar bill way out Mm -hmm. i'd be stoked
0: yeah (laughs) like that would be
1: amazing but um but it was you know like like we said it was non-union so yeah
0: yeah it comes down to priorities and time valuation so I'm curious to hear what, what uh, our listeners' experiences have been. Uh, how about you, man? You should be hearing any day now about your <sighs> yeah. impending life change. The, the timpani drums are playing. Um, <laughs>
1: I I don't know if I have yet talked about that experience. I don't think I have. I don't think we've reported no, not since yet. then. No. Uh, I went in for my re-audition. Um,
0: so just to catch us all <coughs> up, this is Heather's the musical, yes. and you, you you were in the workshop cast, uh-huh. and uh, and everything was great, and they loved you, and you felt like it was it was a good tight family. But they've got to re audition as they take it out to New York. Yeah, union rules require them to have um, uh, auditions. They have
1: to have like a certain number, and they have to. Um, Uh, yeah, adhere to all these, all these rules. Um, And then uh, in addition to that, you know, they're going to have new producers um, at the new, they're going to um, new world stages in off Broadway in New York. Um, So the the new producers are obviously going to want to have their say, or usually that's how it works. Like if you have new producers, they're going to want to have their say on, on everything up to and including casting. I had my re audition, which was just strange. Because I have never in my life experienced going in for the same director, writer, composer, casting director, producer, choreographer. The uh, whole family was there. Every single person was there. And I was re-auditioning for, the same, for like the same stuff that I had already been cast in.
0: So they already knew you could do it. It was just a formality.
1: Exactly. So it was just a very strange experience. And, you know, there's two. Yeah, there is two ways to look at it. I can look at it as it was just a formality. But the other things that I need to consider besides the new producers and whatnot, is that uh, they are having auditions like all over. Um, the two that I know about are in New York and L.A., but I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing them in San Francisco and Chicago. And, um, so they, they taped it, right? My
0: audition? Yeah. Yeah. So somebody else, somebody so new is going to see it.
1: probably somebody new is going to see it. And they're going to
0: want to weigh in.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I can imagine with a contract like that and the and the caliber, the pedigree of people that are working on it and, um, you know, the, 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 the stage that it's going to be on, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of people vying for those roles. And, you know, they might have a bunch of guys come in and totally blow their minds, blow them away, and they cast them instead. And I'm great with that. Like I want them to, to succeed. It's not about, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not having any kind of like ego conversations about it. What I just want to know is, is, is the answer living in the unknown has been the, the real challenge. It's been very like, Unbalancing, I guess you could say. I've been. T- I was talking to like our friends the other night at the mastermind's meeting. Like, I just want to know. Even if the answer is no, just tell, just tell
0: me. Anything else going on this week?
1: Um, yeah, I had my first ever series regular audition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can was, you say what it was for? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. It was for Franklin and Bash. Um, <clears throat> they're going into their fourth season. Yeah, I didn't sign any NDAs or something or anything like that. So there's going to be a new character. I'm... Franklin Abash, the big thing that I wanted to, um, talk about and, and, and we'll get to this again when we are in inter- the interview, we're going to air after James Dumont, which I'm really excited about. She talked about, remember like getting coached. Mm-hmm. I went and got coaching. <clears throat> um, and what was cool about it was I ca- I had considered it like, this is a big audition. I should probably get coaching or get somebody's opinion on it. And, um, thank goodness, like, Ben walked in, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like still working on the sides and he's like, are you getting coaching on this? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I've been considering it, but I don't know, I don't know where to go or what to, and it was sort of like this moment of like, why don't I know, why don't I know where I can get coaching, you know, who I can go to, how much it's going to cost me, whether or not they're going to be available when, you know, how to get to them, et cetera. And also, where in my mind have I, and is it like scarcity or like where in my mind have I been keeping myself from or allowing myself, not allowing myself to have that opportunity or to set myself up to win as best as possible. So he knows this coach, um, uh, actor who is, um, pretty well known. His name is Billy O'Leary, uh, who, he was like I go to Billy like he's great with TV stuff like here's his information I reached out to him and he was available 3 hours before my audition I went over to awesome. his place I got coaching the coaching session was awesome I mean to have somebody who's worked that much and and knows their stuff and and um you know I we read through the scenes once and then he said okay I'm going to guess who this guy is and then you're going to tell me the the breakdown <clears throat> after only reading through the sides once and um He, he, he had it like dead on almost word for word, what the breakdown was. And I was like, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's awesome. So, um, anyways, a great session and, 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 and the, I thought the audition went well. I feel like the energy in the room was a bit like, oh, thank you, but we have an offer out to a name. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I got to meet a new casting director. That was the other lesson. So there's two big lessons. The coaching thing that I talked about and the other one was meeting this casting director. Um, I found out in the room <clears throat> that Don Steinberg, who I've talked about on the podcast yeah. before, is the one who told her about me.
0: How about that? So the words getting around.
1: Well, I mean that, I mean, we, you know, we've been talking about like setting up dominoes and creating re- these relationships. And I think that may be the very first time when I went into a room like that. And the casting director was like, Oh, I heard about you from this other, I mean, she's a network executive. Yeah. That's her. I mean, she's a VP of casting at at Sony. That's like her title. So a network executive told this other casting director about me. And then I went in and I felt like I did good work. So, Mm. I mean, that's, that's the win, you know, talk about booking the office. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's not every day that someone like me who doesn't have a lot of television credits gets called in for a series regular. Yeah. Like there really is the typically, obviously there are exceptions, but for the most part, there really is this co-star, guest star, top yeah. of show guest star, recurring, you know, series regular track, yeah. series lead track, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, um, and I have, you know, one re- really at the end of the day, one television credit mm. uh, that I can put on my resume so to be going in for that period was huge. And I was really ex- excited and honored to be able to have that opportunity. But then to, to like have that in combination with me doing good work in combination with meeting a new casting director in combination with her hearing about me from this other, um, casting director slash network executive that, that was,
0: that was pretty cool. Pretty huge. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So
1: that's my big news. My big news for the week. Oh,
0: it's so cool. <clears throat> That's so cool. Well, I can't wait to hear what you have to share, uh, not only over the next one or two episodes, but 10 episodes from now, 15 episodes from now. (laughs) Yes. It's going to be epic. Yes. Yes. So we have a voicemail from uh, a listener named Grace, who's um, been with us for, I want to say, probably a year, um, at email. least at least um, communicating with us for about a year. And she wrote us an email. Did I say voicemail? Yes. Thank you. Uh, she wrote us an email that um, with a question that, that's come up several times in the past. And I think we really responded to this one in depth at the very, very, very beginning of the podcast, back in like episode nine, I want to say, with Peter Bedard. So those of you who are, um, in this space and maybe want to like kind of explore this a little further, go back and check out episode nine with Peter Bedard. I think it's episode nine. Anyway, uh, Grace writes in and she says, um, basically she's, uh, she's 18 years old, 18 years old. And she dropped out of school at 16 for a bunch of reasons, but including, uh, wanting to be able to focus all her energy on acting and modeling. So she got her GED uh, and moved out of her out of her parents' place and started working uh, a day job and doing some acting gigs. She's done a couple films, a couple plays. She's done a podcast episode. She's taken years of classes, produced and starred in and re- written uh, even a 10-minute film that's in editing right now. Uh, she lives in Philly, which is awesome. Uh, and she says the next step, uh, she thinks, is to move out to LA. But like a lot of young people, she's wondering if College or a conservatory of some sort is a wiser decision than just jumping right into L.A. Um, And she wants to know our thoughts. So we have, again, spoken about this at length. And I think the consensus that we came to back all the way back in episode nine was that if you are young and exceptionally good looking, don't waste your time on college and come straight out to L.A. Uh, Because I would add I would add
1: talented or potential Talent, right, like right, talented or potential talent, raw, yes. raw talent. Yeah, but that.
0: but Peter's <laughs> Peter's basic advice or thoughts were that this industry is built right now, currently, on capitalizing on young, pretty, talented people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're older, uh, even if you're still older and if you even if you're still good looking and talented, if you're older, you have you're at less of an advantage uh, mm-hmm. than the young people. So there's there's that to throw into the mix. I, I would say. Um, Though that, you know, I think it's up to the individual, like do some soul searching and ask yourself if four years in uh, in a, in an, in that kind of atmosphere, like college, is, is, is that going to benefit you? And I will say the people that I've met, and this is my own experience, and I hope this doesn't make me any enemies, but the people that I've met that have not gone to college or some sort of four year conservatory program of some sort versus the people that have, there's something missing from my experience of them. It's very clear to me, the people who have not gone to college and people that have, there's some sort of maturation process that happens Mm. when you're in school and you're doing the class thing and you're doing the parties and you're in just that time of your life. There's something that happens in college that just kind of spiritual. It's like some sort of weird inner spiritual evolution Mm. thing. I can't put a finger on, I can't describe it any better than that. But when I meet people who haven't gone through that, And then I meet people who have even 10 years down the line in their thirties. And they say, I didn't go to college. I'll be like, that's what it is. You didn't, you missed out on that experience of life. Hmm. And that's, that's a, that's a rich breeding ground for the art that you'll draw from going forward in life. So that's, that's my big argument against jumping into LA right away and skipping school because I, I I see that and it's like a hundred percent. Yeah. You know?
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I've never, I've never thought of it like that. But I'm, I'm gonna sort of keep my eyes open for it because I think that perhaps I have experienced something similar, but I just didn't. I wasn't really aware of it. Um, I was thinking of it more. Oh, that's so interesting.
0: I, I, I was, I I'm was, not, and I do <laughs> want to. Sorry, to interrupt you. I do want to qualify that statement because I feel like there's people out there that are friends of mine. They're like, Trevor, I never went to college, you think I'm like inferior. <laughs> What I'm saying is, it's not good or bad, but there's something that's different. There's a there's a key chunk of life experience that I notice uh, is not present in our relationship. A key chunk of shared life experience.
1: I love that you put it in terms of like um, something stuff to draw from as an artist, because you know. I, I'm, as mo- many of our listeners know, um, <clears throat> I'm doing the artist way again. And part of what she talks about is uh, filling the well, stocking the pond, like, um, that, uh, as artists, all artists, it doesn't matter if you're a painter, actor, writer, we draw upon images and imagery. And that's what the artist dates are for. When you go on an artist date, it's about creating, a, um, a sense of play and a sense and, 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 um, filling the well of your yeah. creativity. And oh my God, like talk about four years of filling the well. Like it's if you, if you really give of yourself in a um, college or conservatory atmosphere when you're studying acting or theater or musical theater or whatever, like you have a huge opportunity to fill the well for four years because um, no one's really asking anything of you. It's like, yeah, there's homework, but especially if you're going to conservatory, anything you're doing is in service of your art. Mm-hmm. So you're just constantly, if your perception and interpretation is, is built this way, you're constantly filling the well yeah. during those four years. So that, that's that I love putting it that way. And cause what I was, I was, that's sort of like the uh, creative artistic side. What I was going to say, the um, business or developmental side of the pro because the con of going to college on the business side is you quote unquote lose those four years of your youth um, and youth sells, just like we were talking about with you know Peter Bedard and, and, and that point of view. So that's the con. The pro is building relationships with people who may or may not be able to either get you jobs down the line or building relationships with people who are also working in the industry, period, full stop. So you are end up surrounding yourself with a community of like-minded people up to the same thing who are, who can either get you jobs or who are going to support you in, 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 in the work in mm. either getting jobs mm. or your creativity or, you know, what have you. I don't want to throw grace to the wind and just say like, come up with your own thing. But I also think that if you don't necessarily go to college Going straight to Los Angeles or New York or one of the Super Bowls of, of acting is also not necessarily the m- most effective choice. And I would encourage you, Grace, to pay special attention to James's commentary on this very fact. And I'm not sure if it's in this part or if it'll be in the next episode, but he talks very specifically about going to one of the minor markets and just completely saturating it. Because if you can, if you can win in a minor market if you can book and book and book and work and work and work and work not are you going to build up experience not only are you going to get paid to be an actor not only going to build up a, a resume but you're going to have all of that as ammunition and you're going to be able to cut your teeth and learn a lot before going into one of the super bowls hmm. of acting because i feel like one of the things that happens is people come out here thinking that you know oh i'm i'm talented i'm good looking i can make this happen but guess what everyone's talented and good looking in los angeles <laughs> it's true so it's and true. and james says that so i would just say grace my final note and trev i'll throw it back to you for whatever you'd like to you know finish up with my final note is to to take in what james says about that and um and
0: and add it into your um consideration so here's part two of our chat with uh, actor James Demont um, so much energy so much passion so much wisdom so much knowledge enjoy bathing in this guys and we'll <laughs> catch you on the other side.
2: You know I, I had a great uh, funny story i was i was doing uh, AD, uh, I think i was doing adr it was adr work for uh, click uh and uh they wanted to pump up these kind of jokes and stuff so they brought a couple actors in to kind of pump these jokes up for adam sandler so and we're in there and uh you know david hasselhoff is doing his stuff and and henry winkler is doing his thing and um and and I'm like, wow, it's the fonts. You know, like I'm a kid of the seventies. It's like it was Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, and Mork and Mindy. That was the that was the Tuesday yes. lineup, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like that was God. And so, um the fonts. There's Henry Winkler right there, you know? And, and I'm like, he'd just finished doing a CBS series with a friend, Stocker Channing, who I did Six Degrees of Separation with. And so I introduced myself and I saw him work with Stocker. And he goes, Oh, I saw Six Degrees. And we, we kind of connected. And then he reaches to shake my hand. And in his hand is a card, like he's a salesman, <laughs> like he's a, like a realtor. And I look at the card and it says, uh, It says, uh, Out of practice Tuesdays on CBS. And on the back says "best w- handwritten." It says "best wishes, Henry Winkler." And I was like, "Did I just get solicited by the Fonz?" Wow. And then it stopped. I stopped and going, "Holy shit! It's a hustle. Mm. It's a hustle at every level." Here- here's the f- here's a guy that's got like you know went to Yale and you know was Hamlet and was f- the Fonz and produces and directs. And he's giving me a card to watch his work. He's the Fonz. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? But then I was like, wow, if the Fonz has got to hustle to Mm. get me to watch his show on CBS, what's my excuse? Mm. And that was a kind of like, what? You know, out of an 80, like, where does it come? Like, does it dawn? You say there's things you're doing, like it dawns on you. It's like, oh, yeah, dude. It's a hustle at every level. You're a TV guy trying to do films. You're a film guy trying to do TV. You know what I mean? It's a hustle at every level. And if you just learn to accept and understand that, that, that it's just going to be a hustle until you're making so much money and you have all these offers and then you can figure out where you want to go. You know? Yeah. It's still a hustle. And then it's an interesting kind of strategic hustle. Like I, you know, I went to college with Michael Chiklis, who was on The Shield. Yeah, and we're great, great friends. And and he's a super, super person. And uh, I've been running into him recently at red carpets and stuff. He's like, "Dumont, you're like I'm fire, man!" So he's like, "I'm so happy for you." And I'm like, "Oh, thanks, man." And I was like, "Yeah, I was happy for you when you were walking away with Golden Globe right. Emmy." You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and yeah. you're doing the thing. And I'm like, you know, you're you're kind of big time too. But I was doing like volume of work down in Louisiana. And I just like wanted this whole terror. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it was like I wanted this run where I'm doing all this work and he's at home reading scripts and trying to strategically figure out the next thing. And I'm doing five, 10, 15, 20 jobs. You know, and there's this little modicum of like, you know, Mike was like, yeah, you, things are, you're working a lot, man. It's like, what are you doing? He goes, well, Reading scripts, you know, I'm just, you know, trying to <laughs> – he can't just do knockout, you know, little two, three lines in 20 movies. He's, there's a strategic thing that has to happen. He's got to – he's coming from a series. He's got to go to the next series. He can't just do anything.
0: Right, You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So
2: there's like – then all of a sudden, you know, you spend so much time trying to, you know, chase work. Then all of a sudden, you're getting work and then now you got to be real careful about what work you do. Unless there's mm-hmm. like some people would mm-hmm. say yes to everything. You know what I mean? Right. You know, yeah. It's okay to read the script sometimes. Actors. Yeah,
0: he's probably getting all sorts of advisement from his that's team. That's what it is. There's a team yeah, there, you, and, you know, not do like, this kind of thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. You can you, do this, but only if it airs in China. Yeah, don't let anybody in the U.S. see that's it. That's right. Yeah. You know,
2: and it's the role maybe you know, you're like, you know, you're an actor. You're like you want to do these roles and you want to try to find those scenes that have the thing. You're like, Oh, I never yeah. did something like that, you know. But then at a certain point these guys do all the cops and the doctors and the lawyers and the dads and the husbands that they can. They're like, well, what, what do I, you know, what do I do next, you know? Right. And, I, right. and I'm nowhere near at that point, but they're I, I am starting to under understand that the hustle, you know, moves into a strategic hustle. You know, I literally had the conversation with my agents, like, you know, over giving them Christmas present, going, okay, so what do we do now? You know, recurring on Treme, recurring on American Horror, two Oscar, you know, Golden Globe contending movies. Wow. (laughs) How do we top 2013? You know what I mean? It's like, where do we go from here? You know? And a lot of it, we don't have a lot of control over, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, my agents are not the kind of agency where, you know, they have in-house writers that can attach actors to projects. That's, you know, most of the networks are going cast contingent. The first three to five people that, you know, they have their list since I'm not on that list. So it's very, you know, it's like, well, where do we go from here? You know what I mean? So now I'm understanding a little bit more about the strategic nature of what's the next thing, which may mean I have to not work in order, mm-hmm. <laughs> not work on certain things in order to get bigger things. You know, and I'm a guy that's always worked. So there's that. You know, you chase it for so long that it's a, it's a, it's an interesting kind of time that I'm, at, you know? yeah. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I'm definitely in the teach phase of things, <laughs> which is you know I got some experience. You know, with the thing, and I'm still hungry, and I'm not not I'm not bitter at all. But there's it's not exactly where I want to be. You know, I mean, right. uh, there's a few Golden Globe uh, events that I'm normally should be going to, but I was rejected. You know, I'm not you know part of. I'm not a bigger person on that, even though I'm in these films. Yeah. So there's, you know, like it's, wow, you know, you're not, you're not quite, you are in that teach space. You know, you're not quite exactly where you think or want to be. You know, you're not there yet. You know, but yeah, there's a lot of things, yeah. but you are, you know, you are somewhere else too. You're not where you used to be. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting time.
0: So actually on that note, cause yeah. I do want to talk about yeah, these yeah. films, but we kind of got off track as to where, as to how this all started to yeah. take off for you. So last we left off then, uh, you were in Chicago. Yeah. And Chicago. You just and then, and then these, uh, I got a, cakes.
2: I got a scholarship to go to Boston university. So I had a full ride to go to BU and uh and i went to bu and i was going to be there for four years but i only finished after two and uh one summer i got a gig where i was going to work in new york and uh so i was working in new york and i was like well you know do i do i spend the next two years going to college and getting my degree or can i start working now and i was starting to work at that point and so yeah. i was kind of like you know i'm not sure that i need to take out another you know because the the scholarships were becoming less and less by the time you get to your third year you're like no your scholarship you know was for the first few years now you got to figure it out and Mm -hmm. i'm like wait so now i got to come up with this money so i was like well i could either make that money in a year which i just did or or that in a summer (laughs) Mm -hmm. or i can get student loans and finish school so i you know it was a tough kind of decision you know and so i stayed in new york i got involved with ensemble studio theater and uh You know, that was that turned out to be the right thing to do, because a few years later, here I was a member of the company and my fellow graduates were auditioning for my theater company. And I'm like, hey, it's okay We don't really do Shakespeare. You know, we do a lot of contemporary. (laughs) It's great that, you know, you know, your pentameters That's great. But it's Mm -hmm. not I don't see how we could really use that here. Right. You know, (laughs) so good luck. Good luck doing regional theater. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a little bitter pill, but it was just kind of like it. But I was like, oh no, actually, that was the right call, you know. And there was also cuts in the theater program, by the way. So don't get me wrong; it was not a full decision on my part. They also, you know, had sixty people of fifteen hundred. The first, you know, of fifteen hundred applicants, it was sixty the first year. They cut twenty. Second year, they cut another twenty five. So I was like, wow. I was not really invited to come back. So it was not really a choice I had. I, I thought, well, I could go back to BU and do something else which I right. thought about doing. Right. Um, so I was like, no, I'm gonna why just go stay in New York and work? You know, mid 80s, let's just do this, you know, pull the trigger and let's go. So that's what I did is I and I did pretty much everything. I was a DJ, you know, so I had yeah. ways to make money. You know, I worked nights, which is kind of, you know, working till four in the morning is kind of difficult uh-huh. to do when you're trying to rehearse the next day or be in an acting class. But, you know, I may to make money catered a little bit, waited some tables, you know, did pretty much everything. But then it was like, it it was kind of boots on the ground. It's like, you know, I just did everything. I went through backstage and I highlighted things and went and got pictures done. And, you know, I was in classes and I, you know, I did everything I possibly could to, you know, keep, keep moving and hustling. And things led to like, you know, doing some really good off Broadway plays. I did waiting for lefty off Broadway. And that had a good, a good really run. You know, I was a Sid and Flory, you know, the cab driver. And so, you know that got me great reviews, and I got a, a real great review in the New York Times. And so, my friend David Eigenberg, who was on Sex and the City, and now he's on uh, Chicago Fire, he came. He and I were kind of, you know, we were up for the same kind of roles. We, you know, we looked like then. We don't look anything like now, but we looked a lot like then. We were very kind of thin and emaciated. We just we were broke, and I had long hair, you know, and we just. Looked at, we we kept reading each other's roles. Like, I would start the play and then he would finish it, or I would, just, you know, start a, finish the play, and he would, you know, like, we, hmm. everyone's like, yeah, you and Eigenberg, man. It's like, your guys are the young, you know, young Bob, we're like the Bobbies, you know, we're the young you know, the, you know, the hustlers, you know? And so ironically enough, he came to see me uh, one of his off nights and he was doing an off-Broadway play called Six Degrees of Separation. And uh, he got a gig for like two weeks and it was the last two weeks of the run off-Broadway before they moved it up to the the Beaumont, which was going to be the Broadway house. Stocker Channing was going to come back. Um, uh, Courtney B. Vance was going to take over the role for James McDaniel. And uh, he needed somebody to understudy for two weeks. And he saw me Waiting for Lefty He's like, dude, you should come in and audition and I was like, okay I was doing a student film a NYU student film Deep, deep, deep Brooklyn I mean, Sheephead Bay Way down Brooklyn And the guy was uh, uh, wouldn't let me out To go to my audition The and director I got, of the student film Yeah, the director of the student film Would not let me leave to do the audition And come back down I said, I got to uh, off Broadway play I gotta do it It's 7 50 a week Trust me, I need to do it And SAG rules are You gotta let me go so I found myself uh, two track fires, police action uh, from Brooklyn all the way up to Lincoln Center. I ran, I think it was from 57th all the way to 65th, which is about 15 blocks, but then it's wide blocks. Mm-hmm. And I got there just as they were about to leave. And I said, I'm here, I'm here, you know, and I had been like pumped up and, and I did right. my whole scene and I got the role. And I ended up doing two weeks uh, off Broadway, finishing the show with uh, Swoozie Kurtz. And I was the hustler. I was a full frontal nudity street dreck in the show. And it's one of the funniest lines in the play where they're, you know, it's uh, uh, I'm they catch me in bed with this guy and I kind of come up and I'm, and I'm walking straight, you know, full frontal in front of the whole house. And they're like, you know, I was like, Hey, how you doing? And I jump in and I walk, jump on their couch and then they push me off the couch and I chase him around the room. And she goes, stop it. He might have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have nothing on but socks, you know what yeah. I mean? And so it was like, this is I can't believe I'm doing this. This is like streaking, you know, but I'm getting paid seven fifty a week. This is a good this is right, some good right. coin, you know, especially in those days. And so uh, I ended up doing the role for a couple of weeks and then they were moving up up to the Beaumont and there were lots of roles that they needed to understudy. they needed to understudy, and I said uh, they said, Would you come back? And I was like, Well, yeah, sure. So I, I ended up understudying all the kids and then eventually David left the show and then I took over for the next year and a half. So I was on Broadway for a year and a half, and running, that was around, your running gig. around naked, and that was your gig. George Plimpton came and did a whole article on me and Esquire, and uh, you know I was known as the nudist Buddhist. You know, it's like <laughs> you know all my all my, all my friends tell me were you like, have those, those clips. I saved do have somewhere. those clips. Dude, they're great, and I, uh, should, I should post it up because it's 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 a great article, uh, and. Uh, so yeah, so that happened, and then the then from when, once the show closed, they were gonna do a national tour, and the national tour was starting in Los Angeles. I had auditioned for some pilots. I'd come out. I was doing Tony and Tina's Wedding, but previous to Six Degrees, and so uh, I got some pilot bites. So I came out to L.A. and nothing really kind of came. None of the pilots ever went anywhere. They flew you out. They put in your hotel, and then they just like ignored you. And so I was like, you know, I'm not gonna go to L.A. till like I have a gig, gig, like I have a money job. I'm not coming out here, you know, without like I did in New York. I came. 250 bucks in New York. You know what I mean? I can't believe that, but I did. I'm not doing that with LA. So the tour ended up starting in LA, was going to run in LA for three months and then go on the road for like seven months. And so I was like, okay, here's the deal. You know, I got a gig. I know I have a gig for the next nine months. You know what I mean? Uh, or six months on the road and like three months here. So it was nine months total. And I was like, I knew I had money coming in for nine months. I was going to be on the road. If I figured a way to kind of bank my per diem, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm, I had a plan. So, uh, that's what I did. I, you know, my girlfriend at the time, who became my wife, uh, try to convince her to come cross country where she knew nobody and had no job. And I had no promise of let's get married, <laughs> which I'm glad that she uh, took me up on that 19 years later. Um, so you c- guys, you can convince women to come cross country.
0: Even, <laughs> it can even, be done. It can be if done. If I can do it, I did it, anybody can do
2: it. Her Southern mother was like, what are you doing? You know? Mm. So, uh, then I ended up doing the tour. When I came back to the tour, then I was just kind of boots on the ground. I had, uh, you know, a uh, couple people, you know, were very, very kind of helpful in um, in uh, certain casting directors were really kind of open and fun. Some were like, I don't know what you could do. You run around naked. I was like, I don't It doesn't mean anything to me. So I started right. doing sitcoms. I did George Carlin's show and some other things. And so uh, one thing kind of led to another. I did like a recurring thing on uh, Lois and Clark and then... You know, it just kind of took off from there. just, just started, doing,
0: but it, building and building and building. And the
2: same yeah. thing was like, you know, the philosophy was the same as the student films in New York in my eyes, which was, you know, these small little co-star things were like two lines here or the cop or, you know, you, you know, detective number one or, you know, friend, you know. And so like each of those were like little things. But then when you put them in a reel, they're like, oh, it looks pretty good. You know, you put, you know, 10 seconds of this and 10 seconds of that, you know. So it kind of led to a reel and that led to like guest star stuff. And then... You know it kind of progressed from there, but one of the big things that happened is right around two thousand seven, I knew that the Writers' Guild strike was happening, and this is where it comes in about about foreseeing where things may go, See, you know being aware and alert of what's right in front of you. And uh, at a certain point, I just kind of hit a a wall where there was, you know, guest star roles were becoming few and far between. There was more and more of an emphasis of uh, offers. Like I'd hear constantly, I see something on the breakdowns and I'd be, you know, email my manager's like, oh, offer's already out. It's like, then why is this on the? Why is there, you know, why is there an opportunity? Why do do I think there's an opportunity or give me an idea there is when there really isn't? Mm -hmm. So it was like, there was a kind of like, you know, and the idea of stunt casting where you can get more film people you know film people were showing up on friends and other shows, so it was like, oh, we could just make an offer out to somebody and you know because I was making my money at that point doing guest stars. I could do these top of show guest stars and it was working out just fine and getting more quotes and things were going great you know not a really lot of pilot action, but some um I had a one big flurry around the time I was doing the comedy arts festival where literally when i was you know was I was doing the comedy arts festival in Aspen and we were doing these plays, and I did this play about an umpire with Jay Thomas and it was like I had 20 pilot auditions waiting for me back in L.A., and I literally was reading them from Aspen to L.A. Mm -hmm. Never had anything close to that since, but it was like that was the kind of flurry of action that were going on. And I had a representative who really didn't know how to capitalize on that kind of action Mm -hmm. Um, and really kind of strategically move it that way. And so, you know, I kind of hit it like a a wall. And I was like, one of the things that was... uh, I ran into an actor that uh, was kind of new to the business in his 50s. And he says, you know, I just want to keep it real simple. He was a guy in real estate. He's a very good friend of mine named Phil Austin. And uh, he said, I just want to keep it simple now. I mean, because I'm new to this and I was doing real estate and I've raised six kids. And he's like, you know, I just want to get better. I just simply, I just want to be a better actor. Hmm. And I go... Well, so do I, but but what am I doing about it? And I wasn't really kind of doing about it because I was kind of floating with what I had. And then I was like, you know what? I got to, I got to retool here, you know? And I read an article that that week. It was like these little kismet that week. It was like article about Tiger Woods uh, stopping and retooling his body and retooling his form. And I'm like, and going to coaches and I'm like, well, Tiger Woods, (laughs) like if Tiger Woods is going to a coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If the guy, the best of the business, is re reinventing and reinvesting in himself, but well, what's your, what's your deal? <laughs> you know, again, if, there's if, that, if, there's if the, the Fonz is week. hustling, yeah, yeah. if Fons is hustling, what's your deal? Why yeah. aren't you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there yeah. was like these little telltale yeah. signs of like, you know, I got to really, I got to get better because it's going to get more competitive as I go along. Yeah.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, Two Dudes. So, what's your pick of the week? P O T Dubs. My pick of the week uh, is it, it's awesome. Kind of like thirty picks of the week, <laughs> uh, all wrapped up in one uh, link. Um, so there's this uh, there's this service. I don't know what to call it uh, out here in L. A. That Ben Whitehair um, is a part of and, and has actually talked and maybe have talked about on the podcast um I'm going to audit them next week so they may actually end up being my pick of the week next week but uh, it's called Actor Salon and it's a it's a it's an accountability group for actors like a masterminds accountability group and um he's taught uh Trevor and I about the format and stuff and it's really amazing and um has kept a lot of actors uh on the ball and a lot of them are booking so um uh, it's just it's a great way to to keep one accountable but the the Actor Salon Facebook page posted this link and I had just completely eaten it up. It's uh, from thefilmstage.com, which I'm not familiar with, and they may th- their website in and of itself may be just a great resource. I haven't really had a chance to explore it yet, but it's thefilmstage.com, and it, it is thirty over thirty uh, screenplays from. 2013 including like the wolf of wall street 12 years of slave gravity um they even have um <clears throat> documentaries on there like the lance armstrong documentaries on there animated movies like despicable me and frozen a is a script for the documentary um, yeah yeah it's really interesting. interesting i actually took a look at, i didn't download that one but i took a look at it and it was really interesting how it was formatted like it was you know a time code and then like what that person was who was saying it and what they were saying interesting it's really interesting um Anyway, point is, uh, Trevor and I have been talking about this a lot lately, and and one of the things that I committed to this first quarter of 2014 is reading more scripts and having that be part of my... Uh, falling in love with acting again and, and being a creative minded person being a right brain person and just taking in the, the imagery but in a different way and I have a ton of plays on my bookshelf that I haven't read so I've got that to look at but I also thought it would be great to look at film and television scripts mm-hmm. so when I saw this I just completely ate it up I went on there I spent like 15-20 minutes downloading every single PDF they're on my desktop and I'm going to be putting them on my iPad uh, for later reading but I thought you know what a great Resource to share with our listeners as well. So that link will be on our website. Check it out. Um, it's thirty of the most popular screenplays of twenty thirteen.
0: I I love that idea. Yeah. I'm stealing this from you. I told you this before we started recording. I'm stealing the uh, this reading this, like maybe committing to like reading the script a week. Yeah, in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. That's fifty scripts a year. And that same professor slash mentor that I alluded to before the interview. Uh, I remember sitting down with him after my freshman year just before like the summer break for my freshman year. And he said to me, he said, this summer, what are you doing for your career? And I was like, I had no idea. I was like 18. I was like, I don't know. Just go work from <laughs> week tables and make money and you know, uh, whatever. And he said, uh, I would suggest that you find a play and read, uh, every week and read a play a week. And he said, and what will happen is you'll start to absorb the structure and the formatting. Wow. And, yeah. and the, just the, the, the arc. Of the stories, and he's like, and after the summer's over, you'll have read twelve plays, and you will be a better actor. You will come back a better actor. And I was like, oh, done. And so I did it. And I think I'd like to think that's what happened. I came back, and I was super familiar with reading play scripts. I could read them twice as fast. I knew what to be looking for. I understood the character dynamics, and I was like, done. Like, how smart? Wow, You're, you are a student of this craft. Yeah. Like, why would you not be reading? the handbook yeah yeah which is just essentially the canon of of scripts that are out there yeah so yeah that's there's our other homework yes so we we posted a link on our twitter a couple days ago uh about some of the oscar nominated scripts for 2014 but i think this has all those and more yeah i think so so too yeah uh awesome awesomeness and what's your pick of the big buddy my pick of the week is a documentary called artifact um since jared leto seems to be all over the place right now like he just kind of disappeared for a while and did the band thing and uh and (laughs) then the band thing i like his band yeah another great band uh and i've never seen them live but i hear they put on a great show and they broke the guinness book of world records for most live shows in a year whoa and then uh and then he came you know he got obviously dallas buyers club came out of uh that kind of time he apparently he wasn't looking at any scripts whatsoever and somebody kept pushing dallas buyers club on him and saying you got to check this out you got to check this out so finally he did and obviously he was brilliant in it he won the golden globe he's nominated for an oscar for best supporting actor oh my
1: god we didn't talk about the oscar
0: noms okay yeah
1: table that we got we got to talk about that in the next episode
0: so so um pretty pretty immensely talented guy uh very smart and this movie uh is a documentary Uh, about his band's 30 seconds to mars his band's battle with their record label trying to get out of their contract and just how screwed up the record industry is and they've got interviews with guys all up and down the the music industry from like you know uh chester bennington from uh lincoln park talking about it to like uh what's the dude from system of a down but like these, these are guys who like weigh in on the situation of like how record labels treat artists, Whoa. and it's been, essentially it's it's their thirty seconds to Mars struggle against uh, their record label, and it's a really cool documentary. And how it ends is not how you think it would end, and I really really enjoyed it. So if you want to be inspired by artists who really have a rock solid sense of integrity. Check out this documentary. I I rented it on iTunes for like two or three bucks. Wow. And watched it there on an Apple TV. Can you reveal why it's called Artifact? Uh I I guess I could. I mean, or would I give it away? I mean, I could just watch the movie. You'll you'll get right. it. Yeah, I mean,
1: well, I'm intrigued. Look, yeah. you got you 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 t- you gave a little morsel to me and all of our <sighs> listeners by saying it doesn't end the way you think it. I'm like, <laughs> "Now I have to watch it." Thanks.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's great. It's cool. It's a fun <laughs> it's a fun ride. And if anything, you know, I mean, it's mostly about um Jared Leto's kind of like artistic vision. Uh, and you really learn to respect the guy. Uh, I know there's a lot of, you know, I know a lot of people who have met him or in passing, whatever. I've walked by him a couple times actually at Coachella. And, uh, you know, love him or hate him, you gotta respect, uh, his sense of integrity. So, no listener pick of the week. Wah, wah. Uh, nah. Send them in if you'd like, uh, if you find something you think that the community would benefit from. I think that does it then for episode 130. That's it. Wow. Lots of ways for you guys to get in touch with and support the podcast. Head over to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Leave a comment. Shoot us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. Call us and leave us a voicemail two one three two actors that's 213-222-8677. You can find us on Facebook. We're uh, the
1: Facebook group has been really active lately. Yeah, um, we got a group and a page that that community. Yeah, and and our page The but the community there that's uh, growing around both of those is is been pretty awesome and the conversations that happen there and the sharing of resources and encouragement and stuff. I've been I've been really humbled and and loving how much our listeners have been in touch with one another. It's been amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we're over there. Uh you can find us obviously on Twitter Twitter.com slash Inside Acting. AJ and I are on there individually as well. And uh, find us on iTunes. Just do a search for Inside Acting. If you dig the show, we would really appreciate uh, a a nice review. And a subscribe. And a subscribe. (laughs) Uh, Tell your friends. We're also on Rated. It would be nice to just get a little shout-out over there if uh, you feel so inclined. And then last but not least... You can donate to the podcast. You can donate. Support with uh, your dollars. Yes,
1: by friends. heading over to the website and clicking on the donate button on the right-hand side. You can leave a lump sum of billion dollars, or you can uh, subscribe to the podcast, become a patron, rather, and we will feature you not only on our website, but
0: potentially in uh, an episode. So for our team, Jen Levin, our production coordinator, and Cesar Gaminio, our technical producer, doing a lot of the heavy lifting behind the scenes i'm your co-host trevor algott and i'm aj meyer we'll see you next week and in the
1: meantime two Dude sandwich wait no this episode of inside acting has been brought to you in part by vodagogo.com the award winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VODagogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VODagogo.com slash start.